Welcome to Sugar and Ink, a podcast about living the plus side of life. Hi, I'm Sugar. And I'm Samara. And you're listening to the Sugar and Ink podcast. And today we are going to talk about our photography workflows or photo workflows Mm -hmm. because I have just done a bunch of mini sessions and we'll be, well, I suppose my flow started today, Yeah. but I have to kind of go through now the more intense part of the flow and you <laughs> also <flow>. took photos. <laughs> Sorry, I'm heckling you over here. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, down and back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and you take photos often, often. whether you whether you get them taken or whether you take them yourself, like you're yeah. constantly working with photos and you probably have a different flow for every scenario. I do actually. Um, yeah. Depending on where I am, what I need the photos for, whether I'm taking an entire batch or whether it's just one on the run that I want to post to Instagram, you know, yeah. there's a bit of everything there. Let's talk about, well, let's start with you and your batching photos. Like if you're going to do a whole series on something or you just know you're going to spend a day taking photos and then you want them obviously finished, ready to go, Mm -hmm. what's your flow start to finish? Okay, so mostly I make sure I block out a decent amount of time because if I'm going to incorporate anything like flat lays or product photos, food is the worst it'll take twice as long as you think it will. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty fast at, you know, personal photos and outfit photos and stuff. So, and I do less of those. So I allow plenty of time. And then from there, I usually I'm shooting at home these days. So I set up yeah, wherever I'm going to be shooting, depending on what time of day it is and what the light looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure all my gear is ready to go, that all my cards are um, cleared and ready for a full day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I shoot the photos and I shoot them back to back. So I basically run through every photo I want to take before I take out any of my cards or transfer anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I've tethered to my computer like once or twice ever doing that. I just find I don't need to most of the time rely on the larger screen. I get what I need off the back, you know? Yeah. Um, And then from there, I bring my cards in to the computer. I add, I've got a file on an external drive that I add them all to. From there, I make selects and the selects go into a file. Those selects then come into Lightroom where I edit them and I export them. Usually I've got a pretty clear like I have a file size limit on my export and I have a few settings that really maximize them for web because that's Mm -hmm. what I do with the majority of my images. And then I export them to back to that hard drive and any that I need on my phone, I then airdrop to my phone. So where I store them in a sugar-coated image on my phone or whoever I'm shooting for. So yeah, fast. Very fast. You're so efficient. I know, but I kind of have to be because I take Mm -hmm. a lot of shit photos. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the selects made a huge difference to me. Um, I used to import everything into Lightroom and then um, be choosing, yeah, make a quick quick collection of the images that I liked. But 
it was just my Lightroom catalogue was out of control. So, yeah. yeah, I just started doing the selects, only importing the selects. So far, I'm keeping all the raw files unless there's a whole heap of, like, really not useful raw mm -hmm. ones. Then I'll get rid of those and just keep the raw files of the selects. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I don't take enough photos to really justify deleting any of those raw files, even of the ones I haven't chosen at this point. Um, sure. But yeah. yeah, I could always go back and just delete anything not in that select file, mm -hmm. raw file wise, if storage became an issue. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So <laughs> Deep breath. Done. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. about you? Tell me about a normal, like, a day like you've done recently where you had your Mother's Day special, so you're doing multiple shoots for the day, and then yeah. how does that look when it comes to your workflow? Um, so my first thing is obviously like choosing the location, making sure I'm familiar, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then the night before everything's charged, all my SD cards are cleared. Um, yeah. all my gear is like, I try and clean all the lenses the day before rather than clean them the morning of. Yeah. And then that night I'll go through Pinterest for ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've got like secret boards, so you won't find them on my current Pinterest, <laughs> but of just <laughs> of ideas I've pinned based on the families that are coming along. Mm -hmm. So if they're single parent families, if they're, you know, the two parents, two kids family where they're bringing their pets. Yeah. whether they have small children or adult children or babies and all that kind of stuff. So I just kind of look at a bunch of stuff, pin it to get some ideas because as much as I can work on the fly, I'd like to look to see if there's something new I hadn't thought of, Yeah. Um, particularly using props and stuff, doing that kind of mental prep of all the different combos I'm going to need to do. And then the morning of over coffee, I'll go back over it. Yeah head out to the shoot. I always turn up early to check the light, to check yeah. if there's anything going on at the location, which yes. is always an issue. Yeah. Um, is there a fair? Oh, we're screwed. Yeah, today there was a cosplay party at the oh. park that we were shooting at. So, yeah. Man, I love cosplay. Yeah. Those nerds. I just love <laughs> They were nerds. some pretty impressive outfits. Yeah. They were a committed group. Mm -hmm. But then being aware of that, made me very aware to make sure no one was in the background of any photos I was yes. taking because yeah. there wasn't really the option to go anywhere else 10 minutes beforehand. <laughs> so I've got like a mental picture of like a medieval dude wandering through the back of your family shoots yeah. and that would be hilarious. There like, was some really random ones. <laughs> yeah. There was like some anime. There was yeah. like fairy. There was um the joker there was like it could have been pretty weird yeah yeah joker's <laughs> in the back of your family photo and everyone's like is that the joker just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bit so that was good though because mm. i'd gotten there i'd seen it i was prepared like yeah. okay i've got to make sure no one's in the background we'll be very conscious of this mm -hmm. um and then for every family that turned up i acknowledged with them that i knew there was something going on so that they felt comfortable yeah. that i was like in control of the situation and it yeah. helped me feel in control and then i try my hardest to make sure while i'm taking the photos that the exposure is like i try and make sure that photos actually don't need that much editing when yes. I get back yeah. because it's so much easier to get the photo right in person Correct. 
than it is to spend time trying to fix it. Like it's just fixing photos just takes forever. And of course there are, you know, fancy things you do to your photos once you get them into Lightroom or Photoshop to make them look lovely, but you do not want to mess around with brightness and sharpness and you want to make sure everything's perfect. So I try really hard to do that and make sure. The only thing I ever like underexpose is um, food when it's got like big highlights or glossy lookingness on it. That's literally the only time that I'll shoot it deliberately a little darker as long as I'm on a raw file. Like I don't want to be on a JPEG and and shoot it under. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a completely different ball game. Um, But yeah, that's probably my one exception. And obviously that comes about because I shoot so many random things. But yeah, yeah, food is one thing that I like to try and preserve those highlights more than ever like yeah. making sure that they're there but a hundred percent you mm. just you just can't be like doing no or, or thinking oh I'll fix that in editing because bullshit no. you will like yeah if it's crap now it's going to be crap later and I think that that and I know that probably there are some people that use that mentality but I think it's a very lazy mentality but it's not lazy because it takes so much time to fix so Mm -hmm. while you think you're being lazy at the time by saying that you're actually giving yourself so much more work once you get home and editing photos so I definitely try the best and of course there are times when um you know the weather might not be what you thought it was (laughs) or there might be instances where you actually just can't do anything with your camera to get the image perfect and that's where you rely on post-production absolutely Um, I do yeah I agree with that that there are situations where it's all just going to go to shit and you have to work with that but I do think yeah when you look at something in the back of the camera and you can like it's the sort of photo that you can show the person then and there and be proud of and say to them look be confident in what we're doing. This is what it looks like. Yeah. You know, I think that's much better than going, oh, you know, but the exposure's a little under and I'll, like, make this brighter and it's kind of like they're kind of thinking, well, really? Yeah, and that makes a 100% difference at the time is as you take photos and you you look and you kind of go, oh, this is a great one. Oh, yeah, don't they look beautiful? Yeah. And people look at it and they're like, oh, that's yeah. a really great photo and it just gives that extra bit of confidence yeah. um, to the clients that you're shooting. So 100%. it definitely, yeah, it definitely helps to get it perfect um, from the beginning. Mm. Um, and then once I get home, I um, download them all, I back them up. So there's two copies of everything. Yeah. And what I'm doing before we started recording is what I was going through the selects. Yeah. So going through and like just not even looking at the ones that are the wrong part of the images in focus, which always happens and just picking out the best. So I do a one round of pre-select and then I do a second round because I find when I do the first, I'm just You love everything. Yeah. I love everything. (laughs) And then I've got a hundred photos, which is just too much, particularly if you've got the same kind of location and positioning, but you've, you've got 10 great photos that are beautiful and clear. You don't need 10. You can cut that down to two or whatever. So, yeah. So I do two rounds of the selects. And then once I've got the final, I used to use um, Photoshop, but I've actually changed to using Lightroom because it is quicker. Um, So now I use Lightroom and import it all in and edit and then export. Um, And I have to do two export versions, one with my logo on top, one without. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because I send them um, to the clients for them to choose because normally my packages are you only get so many images. Yes. So everything has a logo so they can't just take everything. Yeah. Um, even though they, they would be only low quality, I don't want them to then, you know, like take a photo, butcher it by putting it on Facebook and it's pixelated as hell and it's embarrassing. And Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, absolutely. Yeah, so there's two exports, one with logo, one without. And then once they've selected, they get the high res. So, yeah. 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 So how do you store all the files? Um, so I store them on it um, on external hard drive. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have copies of the finals on my laptop yeah. so that I can easily share to social media when I need to. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a Google Drive folder where I upload them so that I've got them on my phone. If I'm away for two weeks, I can easily Absolutely. upload a photo while I'm yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Do um, you have any time frame that you sort of guarantee keeping them for, for clients and stuff? Like is that something no. that comes into play? No, so I um, I make them available to them to download through Google Drive mm -hmm. and I say that the download will be available for 30 days. Of yeah. course, if they, for whatever reason, don't do it in 30 days, of course I yeah. like, give, still give it to them. Yeah. Um, but no, I actually haven't um, committed to how long I would hold their yeah. photos for. Um, that's probably something I should think about. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking because you can imagine – because you, how many shoots did you like? Do you do on a day like where you do your special and over? Doing, yeah, yeah. Over two days, I have sixteen spots. Yeah. So you think of that, even if you only did it like ten times a year, you know that's what's that? One hundred and sixty people, and they each have like fifty photos, five selects, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You start to end up with a bit of a file storage dilemma. Yeah. As you go along. yeah, I'm actually already facing it because I keep all of the photos like you and yeah. I don't delete the ones that I don't even select. I've got yeah. everything. And for one 20 minute session, I will have 800 photos Yeah, because I am like snap happy. Like <laughs> everything is like take four of that one and then we'll be like, okay, let's do that again. One, two, three, four, because you've got yeah. children and animals and everyone's moving. Yeah. I yeah. use a um, constant low sort of when I take a photo. So it'll take about three to five with a trigger if I hold yeah. the trigger, um, especially when I'm dealing with groups of people because or even anywhere like where you're dealing with like three people <laughs> because guaranteed that first one almost always is not the one. Well, no, and I just right. think, oh, my God, if that was the only one I had, mm. like, and the person's like, half, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then by the time you take a few, they ease into it. And, yeah, yeah. I like to be like, okay, so you're going to hear it go, like, mad. That's just to make yeah. sure that everyone's got their eyes open, like um, it's yeah. my insurance policy sort of thing. Yeah, the trigger's definitely great as well if you've got the moving shots, like if mum and dad are holding and they're swinging yes. baby, you want that trigger on because yeah. because the movement's happening so quickly and depending on what your light's like, everything might blur, but then you'll get that one photo that's just like crystal clear yeah. where everything else is blurry. So, yeah, yeah the it's great to be able, great. Yeah. great to be able to set that and just be like, okay, follow this baby. Let's, Let's do go. it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden you've got like a stop motion time lapse. 
you're like, oh, I have like. Just, you're just about good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be like, wait, do I have a gif of this kid swinging? <laughs> right, no, that'll, that'll be extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So good. Um, what sort of stuff, uh, I know definitely on my YouTube channel, people love to see sort of my Lightroom edits and stuff like that. Do you have a bit of a process that you step through in Lightroom um, to get your photos? Do you create your own presets for photos? Like what sort of, what's your workflow look like once you get editing? Um, I do have a couple of presets I created for myself, mm -hmm. but I have also purchased a lot yeah. because I find that um, – depending on the look you want to achieve and with the change in photography styles, like yeah. taking a photo today versus 12 months ago, styles have definitely changed. Yeah. And, and keep changing. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, the presets just to buy them, it's just so much more efficient as yeah. a photographer to be able to go to someone and you can see the presets and you go, that is amazing. I'll take it. Yeah. And for $29 or something ridiculously cheap, yeah. And it just, yeah, it just simplifies the workflow so much. So the only presets I've made for myself are generally around lighting. Yeah. Yeah, I find um, what I do now is even if I've purchased some presets, because realistically I learned how to use Lightroom by looking at what happened when I applied a preset. Yeah. So all I would do is, especially in the curves, channels and and that sort of stuff, when you apply a preset and you see it all move, you can start to get an idea when you're learning of what each of those points do and, you know, yeah. what moving them might do. And then you could, if you get to that, like if you're interested in that side of things, you can start to recreate the stuff you like and all yeah. that. But what I usually do is the presets that I end up liking, I keep in like a select folder again. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And um, all I do is I make sure that I update them so that I have one for my Fuji and one for my Nikon with the camera calibrations already saved in there. Mm -hmm. So I can come in and hit like, I don't know, cute, shiny, happy people um, Fuji <laughs> or cute, shiny, happy people Nikon or cute, shiny, happy people like standard so it doesn't have yeah. any camera calibrations and stuff and that definitely um, reduces my time I spend editing, uh, mm. as well as like uh, the Leave Home blog has its own preset that I just created. Bit of a like Frankenstein of a few different things that I like. Mm -hmm. It's way too bright, like for my style. I'm always like, it's so happy. <laughs> it's like, so bright and light. But um, yeah, so I, I have that saved in there and then I have one – um, I have a lot of presets that are like uh, reduce the green sort of presets because I hate digital greens and I hate how they look. Um, so most of my presets will have a preset and then a version that's like without green. So I yeah. reduce the saturation, reduce the luminance and then save mm. it as a green edit because I just, I hate green. I love green in person, but I hate how it looks in photos and I hate okay. how it's almost always looks like highlighter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Greens, what yeah. a pain in the ass. And you shoot a lot yeah. outside. You would 
be cursing plenty of greens, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I try to choose places that are really dark greens because dark yeah. greens look beautiful in photos. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those light greens, like if there's too much light yeah. hitting green, it is like highlighter. It's gross. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a great shaded area and green, yeah. it's like this dark mossy green and it's just yeah. – and people – just pop against that mossy yeah. green. Absolutely. And so that's, yeah, that's exactly what I mean by reducing the luminance and the saturation. Yeah. That's the green. If I'm going to yeah. have green, that's the green I want. That really deep yeah. sort of colour. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I just find it really fascinating because when I first started using Lightroom, I think it was version four, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, which was like a hundred years ago now. Um, the first thing I came across was Pretty Presets was their name. Mm -hmm. And they had a lot of tutorials about how to take their presets and not just apply them, but how to then customize and use the brushes and all this sort of stuff. And oh, I yeah. just found that so useful to get mm. to know Lightroom itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think presets are just, I think they're much more popular now. And I started using them when I was doing the blog, Blonde Ink, yeah. because, I want, because I didn't have a fancy camera. I had a boyfriend at the time who just had no interest at all. So I was like, well, hopefully these presets will make them look semi-decent. And I think at the time they were quite frowned upon, like photographers did not get presets. Yeah. Whereas now people like photographers sell their presets like yeah. it's so it's become such a big efficient way of working um that they're just not frowned upon anymore which is great because yeah. they are so efficient yeah and that's the thing I think that's something that this generation is really great at is they're never going to take 10 steps if they only need to take five yeah and I know they cop a lot of crap because people are like, oh, they're just avoiding doing any hard work well excuse me, we got shit on. Like, mm -hmm. I'll take the five steps any day. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I do think – and applying a preset to a terrible photo isn't actually going to make it a great photo anyway. No, that's right. I don't right. care what anyone says. You can apply that's all right. sorts of filter to dog shit and it's still dog shit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So it's I think, so true. It's I think so true. If it works for you and, you know – it, I think it really helps you identify what you like and don't like in an image and in an edit. And yeah. in that sense, it can be an amazing learning tool and people shouldn't be a dick about it. No, no, not at all. And I think it definitely <laughs> it definitely has changed where people um, do seem to love them rather yeah. than loathe them, particularly for things like um, I love a good sun flare in an image but to get an actual sun flare mm. is actually really, really hard and not something I'm skilled at. Yeah. Thanks to presets. As oh, long God. As, I can get, as long as I can get, like, a hint of sun in the corner, <laughs> I can add a sun flare that looks lovely. Yeah. So, oh, no, yeah. I'm laughing really hard because I've seen light flares that are thrown on images that are from the wrong direction oh like, like the light in, is clearly in the other direction to where the flare is and yeah. you're just like really <laughs> I can tell the lights behind you you know how there's no light behind them <laughs> like yeah I just I find that side of things quite funny because I'm like really if you're a photographer and you can't tell the angle of the light or what's happening with the light then 
walk away from Lightroom and do a bit more oh, yeah. practice. <laughs> and I think you definitely use those things to enhance what you already have. So yes. you already try and get a light flare in, mm. but it is very hard without the whole um, photo just looking grainy and horrible. Yeah. So if you can get a hint of it and then add in the the yeah. preset that just helps enhance it, and that's all people should treat presets as, as enhancing what's yeah. there, not fixing what's yeah. there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can't really... I mean, unless you want to get into skin retouching and eye brightening and stuff, but mm. presets, yeah, can't really fix a sh like you say a shit photo. It really a shit can't. Photo it, a shit photo. Yeah, it goes right back to that getting your exposure and white balance and everything right in camera. And obviously, yeah. white balance isn't as important if you're on raw because obviously it's all there and it's um, under yeah. processed anyway. But I just think, yeah. It, all of these things in your workflow should be around getting the job done absolutely but yeah. to it should also you should be enhancing your your skills and your you know your output at the same time i think 100 yeah. percent. yeah 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 so yeah. what are you currently we can't talk about workflow without talking about the gear so let's talk about the gear what sort of the, stuff are yeah. you Sorry, I keep falling half off this chair and running into something over here. Um, yeah, so what are we using? What do you take on a shoot? Yeah. So, yeah, so I've got a Canon Mark III, which was a new gift I got myself on my 30th. And mm -hmm. I also had, I think, as we talked about in one of our other episodes, everyone contributed to it. Yeah. So everyone benefits from this great <laughs> camera. Um and I actually bought it secondhand off eBay because I could in no way afford a brand new camera. Yeah. Um, and so with it came, um, it came a couple of lenses, but they were lenses that aren't are not made for the Canon. So they were Sigma lenses and it, the Sigma had trouble actually talking to the body. Okay. So the lens and, and it just wouldn't talk. So I don't know why they had them together. And then it had Sigma, um, though people talk all the time about the two together. That's so weird. Yeah, maybe I don't know something maybe, had broken in it. Maybe something had been damaged, which is, um, which is, yeah, that's Possibly. fine. I, yeah. I was more interested in the getting the body and then yeah. building up the lenses later. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so I've I use that, and I've always got two batteries, spare batteries, spare SD cards on me. Um, I haven't got a lens flare cover yet. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that's pure laziness as to why I don't have that. Um, <laughs> oh, like the I'm, hood thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, what lens are you using? You would think I would know that, wouldn't you? <laughs> See, I just sprung this question on you. I have actually like... no – I. <laughs> I bought one lens and I looked into it before I bought it and I can't even remember what lens it was <laughs> now. And I did all this research before I bought it. Yeah. Um, but I've got two basic portrait lens lenses um, mm -hmm. that work really well. So, you know, they have that um, high, uh, high depth of field. So mm -hmm. all the background's nice and blurred and yeah. the thing you're focusing on is nice and not blurred and sharp. Um, <laughs> This is not a technical review. No, just it for is those not. playing at home. The the pretty stuff in the background is pretty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so probably good. like a thirty-five or a fifty millimeter, something like that. One point four yeah. or one point eight, which 1. are your lower. 8, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now I know. I just need someone to say the words and I remember. Yeah, I was going to say 50 millimeter and, um, you know, in a 1.8, that'll serve anything. Like the Nikon, yeah, they sell that one quite cheaply, like three or yeah, $400. They are quite cheap. Yeah, yeah, so they're great. Even the 1.4 only really costs you like five or $600. And yeah. as far as lenses that, uh, like, if you're taking portraits, they're excellent, but the 50 millimeters are really great with food and stuff as well, I find. Yeah, they're actually quite good for yeah. macro, so yeah. if you're getting into food and stuff. Um, and I do have to be careful with that one because it can, depending on you and the subject and how close you are, it can literally just focus on their nose. Yeah. And then the rest <laughs> of the face is blurry or like an ear or like yeah. random body parts and then the rest is blurry. So you yeah. do have to be really, really careful I um, talked about that in yeah. the food photography video that I just did recently because if someone is purely out to take food photos then you really you can pay the $300 or $400 for the 1.8 because you're never going to use a food mm. a 50 millimeter at 1.8 for food you just mm. you're going to focus on a sesame seed you know yeah. um you're not going to you're going to lose all the context of what's happening around it yeah. You know, I'm pretty much my 35 millimeter is like a 2.8, and it's as low as I would ever go for food. Most, yeah. I mean, that's probably a preference thing. Some people would probably drag it all the way in, but um, most of the time I sit between sort of four and eight on aperture in mm -hmm. terms of food because I want to get enough context of what's happening. Because, like you said. Yeah. Like, don't want to just focus on the nose and lose the face. Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. The corner of the cake and not the whole yeah. cake. Like, and all of a sudden yeah. you're like, this icing makes no sense. I can't even tell yeah. what's on it. You've set up this whole scene and I can't see a damn thing. It's all, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so I definitely find that lens is better when you're further away than if yeah. you're closer. Yeah, distance um, between yeah. yeah, distance helps with the focus, whereas I find when I've done the newborns and I've switched to that to get some lovely, you know, like hand or feet shot, that's yeah. great for that. But then as soon as you move to the face, it's literally the cheek is in focus, the note, <laughs> like yeah. random bits. So, yeah, yeah I've definitely got to switch it around. But yeah. I do – there are – like I would love to invest in some better lenses, but, um, yeah, it's got to wait until um, the business, like, builds up a bit more yeah. to justify. Because, yeah. yeah, lenses are where the cost is. Yeah, absolutely. And Canon have – I think it's called an L series, don't they, which are their yeah. professional ones. and Like they're premium yeah they have yeah. like a 1.2 i think someone was saying the other day that's like 1500 two grand yeah just bad. for the yeah. yeah you know and so and i get it it costs money to put all that big fat glass in there but yeah i definitely think with lenses you can um spend as much as you have really <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. You get a yeah. decently operating body and then spend the rest on a lens. That's that's always been my approach to stuff. Wow. Yeah, I think that's most people. Like mm. the Canon Marks are considered the professional and they've got, you know, the Mark 1 up to, I think they're now up to a Mark 5 or 6. Yeah. But it doesn't, I find, and from what I looked into, it doesn't matter too much which one you get. Yeah. It's about the lens that will work with it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that definitely you want to put more of your money into your lenses than in the body. Yeah. But you have two cameras. Yeah, and two different families of cameras. 
Yeah. So I've, I... It's like a conundrum. Photographers are like one or the other. Yeah, I didn't pick a team, though I've never shot with a Canon other than a couple of times um, when I've had to use Liv's camera. She uses mm-hmm. a Canon. Um, yeah, so it's probably... I've had... Fuji films, I've had, well, I started on Nikon. Uh, oh God, I wouldn't even remember what model it was, like a 3000 or something. And mm-hmm. then I went to like a 5600 um, because it had a flippy screen and a video option. But mm-hmm. both of those are sort of at their time were, you know, higher end amateur cameras. Um, mm-hmm. Neither of them were full frame. Uh, my... Mm-hmm. I've got the Nikon D750 now, which is my first full-frame camera. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit exciting. Cause, Very exciting. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I've got the 50mm 1.4, which is how I knew that that's probably what you have because that's what <laughs> most people have. Um, and then I've got a, a big, chunky uh, 24 to 120, I think it is. So it's a wider... And that's the one that I use um, just for general when I'm taking shots of people or groups or events or whatever because um, it gives you a nice wide yeah. width. And I actually bought it because I'd planned to do a bit, of, bit more video with it and it was a good – I could get what I needed with people but it also had a wide enough, um, wide enough width, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. Um, to shoot the video look that I was going for. So it's a bit like yeah. here with my webcam, I bought the one that goes wider and yeah. that's what I did um, when I bought that lens and I think it was about 1700 <laughs> yeah. But it's like I should get it. I keep looking over here because my camera bag's sitting here and, like, my little Fuji's here. Cute. See, it's got I've a... Got... Yeah, I've got a similar, the Olympus pen. Oh, yeah. yeah Everyone yeah. loves that little thing. I honestly love it. Oh. Excuse the noise, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is the big guy. Yeah, beautiful. And see, it's, when you look at it front on, it's still not too bad. I'm trying to put you where it's not black. Yeah. yeah, it's not too. It's not like the you know the big grey lenses that people have where they're like <laughs> at you. Oh so, yeah, like the L series stuff with the Canon. <laughs> yeah. Now I got your picture. <laughs> oh, you, did you cover your face? You know we're oh, recording this, right? <laughs> I, was <watching> my eye. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So it's the uh, twenty-four to one twenty, one point four. But again, it's one of the full frame lenses mm-hmm. so I think in Nikon it's like a I've forgotten what you have to look for one of the letters to mean that it's full frame um, yeah. and it's got quite a high uh, vibration reduction because I was like yeah. well if I want to try and take video with it I want well they call it that. vibration reduction in Nikon in Canon it's image stabilization it is image stabilization yeah Fuji call it that too so yeah, so I have that, and then I have my Fujifilm has the 35mm, but because it's a crop sensor, look how tiny it is. It's it so is, little. It's so little. Look at my giant hands next it's to it. It's so similar to the Olympus yeah. pen, actually. It's so similar. 
and I love the 35 millimeter on here now because it's the crop sensor it gives like a 50 millimeter look so nice. 50 millimeters always been my go-to any mm. of my old Nikons I had the the first lens I bought outside of the kit one was the 50 millimeter 1.4 so it's been around a while best 500 mm. bucks I ever spent really and um <laughs> yeah it's well it's like a decade later yeah that's that would have been so expensive back then well yeah I guess so yeah well realistically I probably paid like close to that for the body <laughs> probably yeah. like five to seven hundred for the body so the d750 was about two grand I think two two mm-hmm. or two three um and it's the first of the like the lower end of their professional Mm-hmm. one but it does beautiful video even if it's autofocus sucks balls <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> that, sorry you that happened to you yeah. yeah I definitely do and I think like we talked about in one of the other episodes like the side hustle one I'd yeah. be buying this shit whether I made any money from it or not because exactly. I just love like taking photos of my nieces and nephews are the cutest mm-hmm. things ever and I love having all those photos and documenting stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice that my blog and businesses sort of help pay for that sort of thing. Now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I would, I would have upgraded to the to the the new Canon, like the Canon Mark series, mm. regardless of whether yeah. I did the side hustle. But it just, it also by having the professional gear, it helped me take the step into yeah. having the side hustle because all I'd used was this other shitty can like not that the marks are <laughs> shitty they're definitely not but a a shittier version like a real amateur version that I'd bought eight years ago yeah. or my dad had bought me and it just like I would show it to photographers and they'd be like oh yeah I know I do like, think people get a little like caught up in the gear a bit yeah because even though I've got the big guy now I don't know how many times when I'm doing food, I still default a bit to the Fuji, especially if I'm handheld and especially because like I love my Nikon and I always have loved like the color profiles of the Nikon and it's, yeah, it's just beautiful. Um, The Fuji can be a bit slow, which is the reason I wanted to go back to the Nikon. Like yeah. as in it's it's not fast because yeah. not only that, but mine's like the EX1. So it was pretty much the first of the their first, yeah. um, X series and mirrorless. I'd love to upgrade it and probably will one day <laughs> add it yeah. to the list, like head to a T2 or T20 or something. Nice. Though they've got a H1 now and I'm like, oh, I can't really justify another two grand for a backup <laughs> camera. But, yeah, I default to it because, A, it's really easy to – you know, handle, if I'm not on a tripod, it's so much easier to get the overhead or get in close, like, because it's so easy to handle, but yeah. Yeah. So I think you can't get caught up in gear. Don't let them gear shame you. No. Fuck it. It was pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Someone with a good eye, though, it's it's a good eye. Like, you can't, Mm. you can't train that sort of thing into someone. So, Yes, gear makes a difference, especially if you're selling your photos. But if you're just taking photos because you love it, then train your eye. Like, just take better, like, keep practicing until you take better photos. Mm. Oh, I've seen people with a great eye iPhones will do the job yeah. like you you could pay someone yeah. some of the people that are just so skilled on the iPhone well, 
Margaret Chang shot the cover of Vogue Australia with an iPhone. Yeah. Was it Vogue or Harper's? Anyway, it was one of them. With a freaking iPhone. Yeah. So it's like... Technology's just, yeah, it's gone crazy. Yeah. And when you've got an eye, you've got an eye. I think in terms of workflow, I think do it as often as you can, whether Mm -hmm. it be taking photos or editing them or whatever. Practice, yeah, practice, 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 practice. I think practice and that I, I just find that Pinterest as a as an inspiration tool is just so so good, particularly for specific locations. Like if you just typed in family portraits, you get so many photos of the beach. There is no beach in Canberra. <laughs> I do not have a beach to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, family runs through sprayed water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hose. They're like tick yeah. tick tick tick. tick. like so to go on and see how other people have used really green garden spaces like we have here or have used bush reserves and and stuff like that just gives you so much inspiration that you might not even actually copy what they've done but you've actually taken a better photo because you have that inspiration the day before or earlier in the morning absolutely Yeah. yeah I think absolutely that's a great wrap up even though, sorry, I deviated us to like a massive gearhead conversation. I know, I'm the kind of have mind to show it off. <laughs> I know, because it was meant to be workflow, and then I was like, "Well, <laughs> mine's just kind of staring at me over here." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. When it comes to our workflow, um, our tips for well, now you know what we shoot with, and our tips for how to just do it. <laughs> Yeah, and if anyone wants advice on where to buy presets, mm. I'm sure if they leave us a comment, we can link them to our favourite places. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think if you're keen to take photos and you're interested in this process, the workflow of photography and stuff like that, then just get out there and do it and let it show up with the practice. Yep. Cool. Righto, guys. Thanks for being here. It. We'll see you next time. If you have any questions, leave them in the comment. If you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, tweet us. Info's at the end. And we'll <laughs> see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Waiting for the wave. <laughs> you can connect with us on social media using at Sugarcoated and at Blondink AUS.